Welcome to, there it is. Welcome to worship at uh, Pleasant Street Christian Reformed Church. Um, glad that you could be with us in person and online. My name is Matthew. I'm the senior pastor here on behalf of all of us. Uh, glad that you could join us today. Uh, it's good to be back in this room with you. Uh, and the river says hi uh, before I forget. So last Sunday I was down in, in Douglas with uh, our brothers and sisters at the River Christian Reformed Church. And on that Sunday... Uh, they kindly, uh, the air conditioning wasn't working for them, which I noticed for them was very hospitable of them to do that. Uh, You know, I just, you didn't really need to do that for me. Uh, So it was kind all the same. They were thinking of us up here. So um, it's good to be back with you in person, and I bring you their greetings, and um, they were grateful to receive yours as well. Uh, Speaking of greetings and announcements, as we're getting started this morning, August is coming to an end. We're on the cusp of the new school year and buying back to school supplies and all kinds of things. And, and that means, among other things, that we are about to relaunch and renew a number of different ministries and opportunities for the fall. In fact, if you look at your bulletin, you'll notice it's quite full of said opportunities. And so I'd invite you uh, to treat this as a menu and look, look over these things. Um, man, it feels good to have a full bulletin, doesn't it? Right? It's good to have things back online and opportunities to connect with each other and to connect with God and with His Word. So look these things over. Let us know what you're interested in. If you have questions, please don't hesitate to ask. We look forward to seeing you at these events this fall. Um, and in particular, I want to highlight one of those, which is that we are going to run a membership class for those of you who are interested in joining Pleasant Street, but we've decided to move it to October because there's a lot going on this month, it turns out. So please do let us know if you're interested and join us in October for that if you can. Uh, and the other thing is that as the year starts, we wanted to orchestrate attention toward a couple of these new ministries that are restarting. And so I want to invite some friends up this morning who are going to tell us about two of those ministries. One um, is the Coffee Break Ministry, and the other is Cadets. So I want to invite Anna and Luann to come up. They're going to tell us a little bit about that. Good morning. I'm Anna Bloom, and this is Luann LePan. We'd like to share with you a little bit about Coffee Break, which is an informal community Bible study for women. Luann Please tell me about your experience last year coming to Coffee Break for the first time. Why did you decide to come, and what was it like? Well, you cornered me in the fellowship hall, and you asked me if I would be willing to help out with nursery, and I didn't give it too much thought, and I'm going, sure, why not? And I think it was um, God's way of nudging you to nudge me to get going in a ministry. And so I did. And unfortunately, we didn't, fortunately and unfortunately, we didn't have any children coming. And so when children didn't show up, we came up to the Bible study and studied. And um, the week after, when it wasn't our turn, we still came and studied. And before you know it, I was stuck. (laughs) I felt this was my place to be. And I truly, truly enjoyed it. It's become a real blessing in my life. So what role are you going to have in Coffee Break this year? Well, this year, you cornered me again. (laughs) And and you asked me if I would be willing to be one of the leaders because you were extending the group that we're hoping to have, a large, large group, and we've extended by another four leaders, I believe. And we're going to be taking turns 
since we're doing Revelation, which is going to be an interesting book to talk about. <laughs> All right. Is that it? Anything else? All right. Um, this is a taste. You talked about a menu. This is a taste and a sip of what coffee break is like. If coffee break sounds like something you'd be interested in, we'd love to have you join us. We meet in the Fellowship Hall on Tuesday mornings from 9.30 to 11. We're starting on September 6th. We'll start with a meet and greet, and the following week we're going to begin studying uh, the, a brand new study, Revelation, that Luann mentioned. This is the book. Doesn't look too intimidating, does it? Does letting our loving volunteers care for your little ones while you spend some quality time with adults sound good to you? Child care is provided for children up to five years old. We do need two more volunteers so that we have, and it be in alternating weeks. So instead of me cornering you, why don't you corner me? And we already know one woman is planning on bringing her grandson, so. I also want to let you know about, ahead of time, about a, on October 14 to 16 in Ashford, Connecticut, which is less than an hour away from here, we're having a coffee break retreat with other coffee break groups. Here's the flyer. You can't see too well, but it has some nice fall leaves on it. And it'd be nice time of the year. Be away. And special this year, high school ladies are invited to experience this formative, week, formative weekend with an incredibly low cost of only 35 bucks. Uh, registration is on the flyer, and the flyer is actually in the fellowship hall on the board uh, that has coffee break on it. Or you can corner me about it. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Luann. Thank you, Anna. Um, and thanks for letting us know about that opportunity. Can we contact you if uh, we have more questions? Yeah? I think that was the, the point. Yeah. Okay, great. And then um, from there also to a midweek program, which is cadets. And I'm going to invite Scott to tell us a little bit about that. Hi, everyone. I just wanted to talk for a couple minutes about cadets. I'm not sure how many people know about cadets. I suspect that a lot of people who've been in our church for a while know about cadets. It is a scouting program for boys in grades one, two, three, four, five, or six. It's Wednesday night as part of midweek. We meet from 6.15 to 8 o'clock, so plenty of time to get home afterwards and get to bed at a reasonable hour and do that homework or whatever. Um, I know that's always exciting for folks. Cadets has been a part of this church for over 50 years. It's a, it's a worldwide organization, and the kinds of stuff we do with cadets, uh, we build and launch model rockets frequently every year. We do a lot of craft-based programs. Uh, things like this is a birdhouse that we'd throw together. Um, when we meet, we go through landmarks. We have a pretty good regimen of Bible-based badges, Bible-based badges, it's kind of tricky to say, that we do each year. Um, this is the book for the older boys, four, five, six. It might be a little more intimidating looking than the coffee, coffee break book, but it's a lot of fun. Usually a badge is a page or two. And for the boys in um, first, second, and third grade, we call that junior cadets. They have a, uh, an age-appropriate book that's just a tad bit easier. Um, we get Quest magazines periodically every month. This is an older one that has copies out in the um, fellowship hall. If anyone wants to grab them over by the table, they're more than welcome to. This is uh, Benny's Bug Hotel, Dangerous Bugs. It's pretty neat stuff. There's, there's comics, there's Bible stories, there's puzzles. Here's a new one that pretty much no one else has seen yet. This one is coming out that we'll be handing out to the boys at our first meeting. 
which is actually not this coming Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, September 7th, as midweek kicks off. Um, we also have some pamphlets. So if you have a son or a grandson or nephew or neighbor or son of a friend or anything like that that's interested, it doesn't really matter if they go to our church or if they go to Fairlawn. These two churches are kind of the supporting ministries for cadets. We also have boys from half a dozen other churches every year. We have counselors from other churches as well, right? We have people that have come or counseled from the river, from Faith Fellowship, from a, a dozen other churches in the last couple of years. It, it doesn't matter. Spread the word, word of mouth. We do other great stuff with the boys. We focus on Bible ministries. Our, our kind of collective verse is, um, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments from John. This year's theme is amazing from Joshua 3.5, where Joshua says to the people, um, consecrate yourselves and the Lord will do amazing things with you. All right, so those are some of the things we're going to focus on this next coming year. We do hikes. We've gone up and down Mount Monadnock a bunch of times. We do overnights, campouts um, at nearby places, sometimes even further away. Um, we've done overnights and trips to Battleship Cove, a lot of that kind of stuff, Air and Space Museum in Connecticut. So spread the word. Um, if you know anyone of that age group, let them know they're more than welcome to come. We have sign-up forms, um, and you can talk to myself or any of the other cadet ministries. We'd love to have you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Scott. Ah, to be a child again. Thank you, guys. And uh, this, is, this is great to hear about some of the things that are going on. If you would like to know more about these opportunities or others, you can talk to Scott or to Anna, but also you can visit the Connections Corner, which you passed on your way in over by the mailbox. There's information about these different ministries up on display there. Um, but we didn't just come here for announcements. We came here for worship. And so, friends, as we continue our look at the book of Proverbs as a community gathered in God's presence, I invite you to rise in body or in spirit as we hear from God and prepare to receive his food at his table. Let's worship together. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. For great is your love, reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth.
Merciful God, you made us in your image, with a mind to know you and a heart to love you. Our knowledge is imperfect, and our obedience is incomplete. Our love is inconstant, and day by day, we fail to grow in your likeness. As we come to this time of silent confession, hear these words from Psalm 32, verse 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Take a moment to be with God, and you may be seated. Hear this good news. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Thanks be to God.
rise in body or spirit as we sing this final verse. peace of Christ is with you. Let's take a moment to just greet our neighbors. It's now time for our Kids Treat. So kids ages four through second grade are invited to come up and be dismissed for Kids Treat. People of God, what is our prayer? The Lord be with you. Go in peace to love and serve Jesus. Thanks be to God. Good morning. I'm Emily Fortna. I'm one of the elders here at Pleasant Street, and it is my privilege to lead us in prayer and to read scripture. So let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, reveal to us who you are. Help us to praise you through mountain vistas and the intricacies of flowers from stories of your continued faithfulness in the Bible. Dear God, you are omnipotent, loving, and amazing God. Hallowed be thy name. We acknowledge that things are not the way they are supposed to be. We mourn sin, the sin and sickness in the world. We think of Paul and Juliana who just moved to British Columbia to pastor CRC Church. Right after moving into their house, their little boy fell out of a two-story window. We pray for healing for fractures in his skull and spine, but especially that he regains sight in his right eye. We lift up Carol this morning, who was admitted to the ICU with an infection this week. We pray for Karen and Heidi and Cindy as they continue their battles with cancer. Be present with them in a special way during these difficult days. May your kingdom come. Dear God, we ask that you be with students and teachers who head back to school soon. We also ask for your guidance as midweek and youth group and adult Bible studies start up this fall. May your will be done. Thank you for all the blessings that you have given us, like rain after months of drought. You have also given us the ability to buy food and houses and health care. Help us to acknowledge this is not our own money, but a gift from you. Help us to share with others who don't have as much. 
We humbly ask for repentance for all the times this week that we have let you down. We thank you for your continued forgiveness, and we ask for help forgiving those who have wronged us. Keep us safe from ourselves and from the devil. For the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours forever. Amen. And this morning's scripture comes from a variety of Proverbs. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. All a person's ways seem pure to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. The lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is from the Lord. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. A wife of noble character who can find she is worth far more than rubies. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. This is the word of the Lord. As we continue our look at the book of Proverbs together, friends, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, God of wisdom, gathered in your presence here, we have heard again about your uh, way in the world and your way with us, that you do not treat us as our sins deserve, that in a world where it can be hard to know who to talk to and where to turn, and where some things are just too difficult to name, that here in your presence we can talk with you about all of these things. And so in this place where we have been reminded that the deepest things about ourselves, which we didn't even know about ourselves, have been attended to and met by you, we can trust and settle down and open our hearts and look to you in the hopes that you will guide us. We ask that by your Spirit you would come and do that now, that you would take these ancient words of wisdom, that you would breathe life into them, that you would plant them as seeds in our hearts and grow up fruitfulness that is good for ourselves, for our congregation and for this community. In your name, amen. These Proverbs today brought to mind one of Aesop's fables. It's called The Ant and the Grasshopper. Perhaps you know it. It goes like this. In a field, one summer's day, a grasshopper was hopping about, chirping and singing to his heart's content. An ant passed by, bearing along with great toil an ear of corn that he was taking to his nest. 
Why not come and chat with me, said the grasshopper, instead of toiling and moiling in that way. I am helping to lay up food for the winter, said the grasshopper, and, uh, and recommend that you do the same. Why bother about winter, said the grasshopper. We've got plenty of food at present. But the ant went on its way and continued its toil. When the winter came, the grasshopper had no food and found itself cold and hungry and alone. While it saw the ants distributing every day corn and grain from the stores that they had collected over the summer. And then, it was then that the grasshopper knew it is best to prepare for the days of necessity. And Aesop's parable resounds in every decision since to plan for the future. It is wise to plan for the future. Which is why those who are able might take out an IRA and buy life insurance. Because there is wisdom in planning that you might be here a while, and there is wisdom in knowing that you might not be. There is wisdom in imagining different futures when you are planning. It is wise to plan for the future because, well, God only knows what the future might hold. We've been looking together this summer at the book of Proverbs, and Proverbs is about wisdom, and wisdom is knowledge applied Wisdom is knowledge with its feet on the ground, so to speak. Well, today the sages are talking about the future, and if there's any topic that is likely to make us lose touch with the ground, it's the future. This might be the most overtly theological topic of the whole book, but don't worry, the sages don't want us to think that we're getting into heady distinctions, divining the future about things we can't really know. Actually, no, according to the sages, to talk about the future, you don't have to get lost in the clouds at all. You actually only have to look at your feet. Look at the ants. The sages tell us that the wisdom of planning well is sown into the fabric of creation, it's right below us, in fact. Wake up and watch an ant, you lazy bones, the sages say. The ant has no boss. And yet the ant works all summer to store up food for the winter. How's it know how to do that? Well, sages say, look at an ant if you want to know about the future. The ant, which has no prefrontal cortex, and yet somehow knows to anticipate leaner days. The ant, which, which has no Doppler-informed algorithmic 10-day forecast on its phone, and yet it seems to know that winter is always coming. Somehow ants, even ants, have a sense that they should prepare for the future. After all, God only knows what the future might hold. The sages and Proverbs value planning very much, and they tell us that there's wisdom in knowing at a simple fact that tomorrow could be very different from today. Proverbs 27.1 says as much, don't be sure that you know what tomorrow looks like, they tell us, for you don't always know what a day brings when you wake up into it the next morning. There is wisdom in planning as though God only knows what the future might hold. And as Proverbs 11.14 adds, that is just as true for people as it is for communities like cities 
or churches or whole nations. The sages tell us that wise planning means anticipating that the future could be different from the present. So imagine with me for a second Frank and Sarah. Frank and Sarah are a middle-aged couple, and they have just finished helping to move Frank's aging parents from their home in a D.C. suburb. Frank's parents lived in their house for 50 years and saved, it seems, every single newspaper that landed on their doorstep in that half-century. Well, for months, Frank and Sarah spent their weekends cleaning out, cataloging, and dispersing all of that stuff. And when it was done, the house was sold, his parents were settled, and Frank and Sarah got their weekends back. But then what did they do the next weekend? Did they take a trip to the beach? Did they mow the lawn? Did they read a book? No. The very next Saturday morning, exhausted, Frank began making piles in the foyer of his own home. You see, though Frank and Sarah often talk about one-day cleaning house, they realize that God only knows what the future might hold. And they, because of their context, begin to imagine a sudden fall or a tragedy or economic collapse, leaving their children with, well, with the same experience that they've just had. Planning means being able to imagine the future, and imagining the future happens when we connect ourselves to a story. And that is why what's important to the sages is not just that we plan, but that we learn to plan wisely. And that means that the sages are not most interested in the how. They're not interested so much in the best strategies for investment or records retention. They're interested in the why. They want us to examine what future are you planning for? All of us. The sages tell us in chapter 16, 2, imagine that we are planning for the right reasons and we're planning for the right things, but it's God who asks us, what are you planning for and why? God only knows what the future might hold, and so God asks us, what futures do you imagine? You can get a sense about the futures that we imagine from the kinds of stories that we tell about the future. Do you remember Star Trek? The original, I mean. Uh, I've seen it on reruns. Star Trek was a story about the future. It was a story about exploring the worlds in peace and hope in the Enterprise. Technology had been mastered in the service of human development, and the Enterprise, it was like what? It was like this United Nations spaceship, right? The crew is made up of the peoples of all the universe, and they're all working together in concert toward a common goal, science, understanding, exploration. Well, it sounds a little bit like the World's Fair in the 1960s, no? So fast forward a generation, and it's not Star Trek, but Terminator. Waterworld, Mad Max, The Matrix, I Am Legend. No longer do we tell stories about a bright and hopeful future where, where things are going well and we've figured it out. 
Now we tell stories about a future that is a dark place where the things that we have made have taken control of us and we have ruined the very world we did not understand. A bomb exploding or political meltdown or disease or famine, these ends of the world stories are fiction. I'm a big fan of them actually, but the fear that drives them is far from fantasy. So why? Why are we imagining the world like this? Has anybody looked around recently? (laughs) Look at the present. It seems that almost every day we hear again about rising seas and rising global temperature degrees and reports about hydrocarbons and CFCs. Behind us is a century of war. Ahead of us is the prospect of more. God only knows what the future holds, but we can't imagine that it's very good. The sages ask, what are you planning for? Honestly, we're planning for our survival. About five years ago, Douglas Rushkoff was asked to give a keynote lecture on the future of technology. That's Not unusual, okay? So Rushkoff is a writer and a journalist, and he's known for his work on technology and thinking about the future. In fact, he's considered one of the most important contributors to those fields. But what was unusual about this particular event was the money. He was offered half of his annual salary. And it was also unusual that he wasn't really told anything about his audience. So he arrived at the venue, but when he got there, he was given no microphone, and he was not taken to a stage. Instead, he was whisked away to a side room where he sat alone for a while, and then, one by one, five super wealthy hedge fund managers were brought to him. He pretty quickly realized that all of the remarks that he had prepared were going to be irrelevant because they weren't interested in the lecture that he'd prepared. In fact, they had their own questions. Questions like, which region will be less affected by the coming climate crisis, New Zealand or Alaska? Is Google really building Ray Kurzweil a home for his brain? One CEO confessed to having built an underground bunker system, and he asked Rushkoff, How do I maintain authority over my security force after the event? The event, which was their euphemism for, I don't know, fill in the blank, right? Environmental collapse, social unrest, nuclear meltdown, virus. Rushkoff then writes, as far as these gentlemen were concerned, this was a talk about the future. And they were preparing for it by insulating themselves from a very real and present danger. For them, the future is really just about one thing. Escape. God only knows what the future might hold. The sages ask, what futures do you imagine? Well, it's easy to dogpile on CEOs planning panic rooms and armed militias. That's, that's easy. But what the sages are more interested in is us. You know, the CEOs, the CEOs, they're not alone. Today, there are thousands of ordinary people dedicated to preparing themselves for global catastrophe. They call themselves preppers. 
They store gold bars and weapons and food and homemade shelters. And we are learning that their numbers are growing as the anxiety in the world around us grows. God only knows what the future might hold. And what about us? We're probably not digging bomb shelters. But Lord only knows what our future might hold. I mean, it's not hard for us to imagine what, what it might involve. Some of us can imagine a very real need to move and not so, not so far from now. Some of us imagine the loss of friends or home. We can imagine decisions, so many decisions coming about a major and new friends and new communities and choosing careers. The, the future is so full of choices, it is overwhelming, frightening, and paralyzing. On the other end, some of us imagine futures alone and empty, and that is not much better. And the reason I've taken you on this tour, this inventory, the reason that it matters is that the future that we imagine has absolutely everything to do with how we live today. And many of the futures that we imagine, I don't know that they are making us more open-hearted or open-handed. Friends, the more anxious that we are about surviving tomorrow, the less inclined we become to care about today. So friends, the sages ask us, what futures are you imagining? And they tell us also that the joy of wise planning comes right from the very thing that drives us crazy. The joy of wise planning comes in knowing that the future isn't in your hands. God only knows what the future holds. And according to the sages, that's exactly the starting place for wise planning. To begin with the realization that only God knows what the future holds. In fact, God holds the future in his hands. As many plans as we make for the future, the sages say, always it is the Lord's purposes that prevail. So Joseph Badam and his wife Phyllis made a lot of plans for the future. Joseph and Phyllis, in fact, spent 45 years preparing for a global disaster. It started in 1973 when they moved to Medford, New Jersey, and Joseph built an 8,000-square-foot fortress home complete with bedrooms for multiple families. The basement of their home was equipped with bunk beds, propane refrigerators, laundry, showers, and a fallout shelter. And in the basement, they stockpiled generators, fuel, books, thousands of rolls of toilet paper, which may have come in handy about two years ago, and, and nearly 29,000 pounds of dried food. Joseph and Phyllis's family, they laughed at them, but they didn't mind. Right, they were prepared for a future that they imagined was coming. It wasn't a question of if, it was a question of when. But 
that wasn't the future that they got. Phyllis had a stroke, and she got sick, and she died. Joseph lost his reason to plan anything. And then he lost his plan because he got behind on his taxes and his mortgage, and then he got an eviction notice. And it seemed that 45 years of careful preparing had literally come to nothing. That is, until the day of the estate sale when Joseph met the Barbers. Victoria and Anthony Barber uh, run a Puerto Rican food truck in Medford, New Jersey, and they were asked to provide food for the estate sale that day. That was September 20th. The day before, on September 19th, Hurricane Maria destroyed Puerto Rico. Do you remember this? The day before, Hurricane Maria went through, leaving thousands of people without power and without food, including Victoria's own family. And so the very next day, the barbers meet Joseph, and they tell Joseph about their family and their friends in Puerto Rico and what's happening. And on the spot, Joseph tells them about the food in his basement, and he offers them all of it. And do you know that Joseph's surplus fed the entire town of Arecibo? And at the top of the news article that I am conveying to you, there's a photo with Joseph, box of supplies in hand, as it's being loaded into a a relief truck. And do you know what he's doing? He's smiling. He's smiling. Now, that news article that I'm telling you about, it represents all of this as a happy accident, maybe. But the sages, it occurs to me, might just say that, you know, that sounds very much like something that God would arrange. Isn't that interesting? Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. For indeed, Proverbs tells us that We discern the future, and sometimes we might even be right about what's coming, but it is God who determines the future. Whatever it is that we are planning for, it's God's future that will come to pass. And and God, in His sovereignty, can use even our rebellion to achieve and advance His plans. So the wisest thing to do is not to ask God to honor your plans, but rather, as one commentator put it, to submit our entire life's action to God so that even if our plans are subverted, we can recognize an even deeper plan at work in our lives. Of all the things that there are to fear in the world when we think about the future, the sages would have us see that the wisest thing to fear is God. God who directs our steps even when we don't know how it is that we got there. God whose purposes always prevail. God who holds the whole world in his hands. Who holds us and who even now somehow works all things together for good for those who are in Christ Jesus the Lord. That fear, the sages tell us, 
is the only fear in the world that will actually lead you to greater joy and open-handed and open-hearted life in the present. And we get a picture of what the fear of the Lord looks like in this woman in Proverbs 31. Did you, did you notice it? Right? The wisdom in Proverbs began at the beginning of the summer with Lady Wisdom, Right? And it ends with a bookend on the other end here with a human picture of wisdom personified as this woman. She is what? She is valiant and she's courageous. She is strong and strategic. She is wise and capable. And when it comes to the future, she plans for it. She lives in the present and she laughs at the days to come. The fear of the Lord looks like her family clothed in scarlet sweaters for the winter. Right? This wise woman is not fearing scarcity or pain or famine. She is not insulating herself from the pain of the world in a bunker. She is, in fact, close enough to the poor to see them and to know what their needs are. And she is closer still, close enough to extend her own hand to help them. She plans for the well-being of her family for tomorrow, and she's present in the world today, caring for those who do not have the resources to plan for tomorrow. She fears the Lord, and so she laughs at the days to come, whatever they are. Can you even imagine something so wonderful? She, in fact, points us to something even more wonderful, to a day when Jesus, who is the wisdom of God in the flesh, left all the treasures and safeties of heaven. And where did he go? He came here. Have you seen this place? He came here. She points us to Jesus who was born with no safety net and lived his whole life the same way. She points us to Jesus who extended his hand to the poor, preaching of a God who knows you so well that he can count the hairs on your head. She points us to Jesus who, when it came to the future, spoke of a kingdom that was coming on the other side of the end of the world. What was that kingdom like? It was a kingdom full of justice and peace and safety for whom? The ones who could afford it? Not VIPs, not the spiritual elite, not the ones who saved up their righteousness credits so enough that God would love them, but those who know that they have nothing and could bring nothing and so like children just reach out and take it. She points us to Jesus who gave his life to make that future a reality in this world. A kingdom where the pains of this life will be swallowed up in glory, where tears will be exchanged for a garland of praise, where empty tables and hunger are swallowed up in a feast at a table that is full of love. She points us to Jesus, who talked about this kingdom. Can you even imagine such a kingdom? Can you imagine a kingdom so certain that it would be worth planning your life on? Can you imagine a kingdom so real that at times you can, you can almost hear the laughter? Imagine a kingdom so real that even now it approaches. In fact, if you listen carefully, 
You can almost taste it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, the one who holds the whole world in your hands, we live between the past that we cannot change and a future we cannot know. And so we live in the present. But you have built us to imagine the days ahead. And so we ask that you would give us the eyes of faith to look further than what we can see on the horizons of what we can predict, of what our algorithms can divine, that with the eyes of faith we would look ahead and see a whole new world made good, restored, whole, with room even for us coming toward us even now. Pray this in your name. Amen. My friends, having heard God's words to us, we also get to see them and taste them. And so, my friends, it is time for us to celebrate the supper together at this table which the Lord has prepared for us. And whether you are at home with your own elements that you've set out or at this table with the ones that the elders have prepared for us, it is Christ's table. Let's pray together. Friends, the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Please pray with me. God of wisdom and truth, we give you heartfelt thanks for the joy of your creation and abundant praise for the grace of your liberating love. You gathered the 12 tribes of Israel and spoke your word to Elijah and your prophets. In the fullness of time, your son gathered 12 disciples and walked the way of the cross that John the Baptist had prepared for him. After his great passion and suffering, Jesus, you rose to glory on the third day. And so, together with the host of heaven, we gather around this table and around your throne, singing your eternal hymn of glory and declaring together, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Continue with me in this prayer. God of wisdom beyond our understanding, in Jesus you put on flesh that we might not know you from far away, but as one among us and as the host at this meal. In this sacrament of bread and wine, you open to us your own heart. In your son's death, he was nailed to a cross, and in his resurrection, the disciples touch his hands and side. We ask that you would come close to us now in the power of your spirit and make us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. Send down that same spirit that these gifts of bread and wine may be for us the body and blood of your son Jesus, who, at supper with his disciples, gave us this memorial of his sacrifice before he suffered and until he comes again. On the night of his arrest, the Lord Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it, and he gave it to them. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. 
do this to remember me. And in the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup. And after giving thanks to God, he gave it to them. And he said, this cup is the new covenant which is sealed in my blood and poured out for you and for many. Whenever you drink this cup, you do so to, you, when you drink it, do this to remember me. For friends, whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we together proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. For friends, great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Expectant God, you call us to follow in the way of life and truth and peace. We ask that you would draw near to any who dwell amid hostility or discord. As your son lost his life in order to save us, show us your church where we can freely and gladly lose in order to save and be saved. We ask, O oh God, that you would put a song in every weary throat so that we might sing of the day of your coming and that you would open our eyes to see that great day coming even now when with the holy angels the Son of Man comes in the power of the Spirit and the glory of the Father. Amen. Brothers and sisters, the Lord has prepared this table for all those who love him and trust in him alone for their salvation. All who sincerely believe in the Lord Jesus Christ who are sorry for their sins and who desire to live in obedience to the Lord are invited to come now with gladness to the table of the Lord. For friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. I invite you to remain seated. I'm going to invite our team to come up and the elders are going to distribute the elements for us.
Thank you, elders, for helping to distribute. That is no small thing. Brothers and sisters, take, drink, remember, and believe that the blood of our Savior Jesus Christ was shed for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Brothers and sisters, take, eat, remember, and believe that the body of our Savior Jesus Christ was given for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Tasting the Lord's grace to us together, it is right and fitting that we should respond. Let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Would you rise and body your spirit? Together we say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Friends, having tasted God's grace, we go from this place with his face turned toward us. I'd invite you to open your hands, lift up your eyes, and receive it. Friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen. Let's go singing.
in peace to love and serve Jesus Christ.